Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Game of Thrones podcast. I am your host, Carmine of Red Team Review, and I'm joined here once again by the t one of the top five tallest YouTubers, Preston Jacobs. Preston. That's, that's impossible. I'm not that tall. You're like top six. Top five? I would say, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know that for a fact, but it sounds like it could be true, right? Like, it sounds like it could be like a true fact. You're, you're I, six, I, seven, I, right? I'm six. I'm like six, five and three quarters. Dude, it changes every time. You said six seven no, one time. No. I swear to no, God. I've never said I've never Pull said the taste. six seven. Pull I could the I could say I could say six six. I could say six five. I would never say six seven. That would be insanity. Why why would I ever why would I ever push myself up to six seven? I don't know. Might no, as well. No, 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 Maybe no, if you're no, wearing no. what 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 would what happens if you wear heels? Would you be like at least like mountain size, like six nine? Well, yeah, I mean yeah, if I wore heels, I, I would I would be taller. Jeez, I mean, if I got a sex change operation, I'd be a woman. I mean, what what are, what are these hypotheticals? All right, Caitlyn Jenner, calm down. Let's get into this. Okay, so guys, thank you so much for joining us again. This is the season eight uh, final review for the podcast. As always, we're available on SoundCloud, and iTunes. So consider checking us out on those platforms. And if you do check us out on those platforms, then please leave us a review. It would help out a lot. Also, it would help me not picture Preston in heels. And uh, guys, leave your thoughts. Life after life after Thrones. Life after <laughs> oh, Thrones. Jesus. Please leave your thoughts and comments down below. You know, we might discuss in the next episode. Go ahead. Ah, uh, do you feel like we're dwelling? Like we've spent like too much time dwelling on the on this on this uh, on this last episode and, and this last season. Like it's just it's just too much. Like like before. You know, it wasn't as bad, so it didn't seem so bad to dwell on it. But now, you know, the ending is so horrible that everyone kind of wants to forget it. And we're, like, forced to sit here and, like, relive it and rehash it. <laughs> you know, I've, I've seen the season eight, like, four times already. Like, I, I watch every episode as it comes out at least three times. And then I rewatched yeah. the entirety of this, this season last week once. So I've already seen every episode four times each. It doesn't get better. But you start to soften up on it. Like, everybody loves really? to... Yeah, everybody loves to... Well, all except for one episode. Everybody loves to tout that episode three was like, Ugh! So bad! But episode three is not as awful as people say or remember. Episode I mean, six is still bad. That's still off trash. That's still yeah, trash. Yeah, so what happened would have... So I've been, I mean, so I've been doing this rewatch, and at this point, I've... Um, so Carmine and I have... Uh, Carmine and I have this plan that we're going to... We're gonna talk about the the last the last episodes, but you know when I'm fresh with each one, right? So I've watched episodes one and two, so those are fresh in my mind. And then later on in this podcast, we're gonna switch to like three and four and five and six, and so there's gonna be a time jump. But the um, so I've I've just watched one and two, and I will say one stayed about the same. Two, which everyone is so nostalgic for was was just horrible <gasps> how dare you i yeah. loved episode two especially the ending oh my god i loved episode two one is one uh, yeah one is right you're right one's all right yeah one's fine but two two because it's all this like um you know it's all this nostalgia and all this build-up like this is our last night and then no one dies so like oh then what was this nostalgia for yeah that you is know? the one thing that makes episode two not as like because when you first, because I will say, like, let's say I, I'll give episode two like an eight. Let's just say, I'm not saying yeah. I'm giving it an eight. Let's just a re going back and after the series is done and rewatching it, it, it goes down a few points because you're right. It's like 
Tormund has this like really somber moment of saying, "We're all going to die." Die. And only like a few of them die. So. Right, and then and then Tyrion's like Tyrion actually says like I think we're gonna make it, and then everyone like starts laughing, and you're like everyone in that room made it, like <laughs> like there is no no one died. Uh, you know it's funny too. I think the director of that episode he came out with an arc. Uh, it was an arc that came out in an interview with him where he goes he wanted almost everyone to die in that battle. He had a vision for Jorah's death, which was Jorah charges in. We see the charge. It doesn't work. We see a couple of Dothraki running out of that out of the darkness. And all of a sudden, Jorah comes back on his horse and, like, half his body is missing or he's beheaded or some shit. Oh, God. Yeah. He yeah, wanted to make that powerful. episode brutal. Yeah. No, that would have been great. That would have been great. No, there's so many things. There, so, yeah, there's during the rewatch of 1 and 2, there's so many things that are just dropped plots. Like, that's the thing. Like, you don't catch on the first one, the first watch through, or even when our, we were doing our reviews, because you rewatch it, but you, you, still have the, you still have this, like, potential. Like, you're like, oh, you just kind of give them the benefit of the, of the doubt that these things are going places. And then they just don't go anywhere. Yeah. You know, like, oh, the, dragon, the dragons aren't eating? Okay. No, that was nothing. You know, mm. like, oh. Um, stuff like that. So there, there's a lot of that. It's funny you say that because I feel like we caught a lot of stuff, but you're, no, you're, you're right. The one thing I'm thinking about is like the, the one thing that still bugs me about like the first two episodes is like Melisandre. Melisandre is purposely left out of the first episode. And then yeah. you get there and then she gets to episode, uh, first two episodes, then she gets to episode three and you're like, oh, here we go. Lord of Light joining the fight. And it's, it almost amounts to nothing. Yeah. Yeah, there, there was a lot. I mean, I realized like just watching it, it opens with, um, Arya and focus. It's very Arya focused. The first episode, and there's all these. She has all these smiles, and she has. There's even inspirational music as a dragon flies over, and she smiles. Your favorite like, scenes. Well, well, you're. But but at the same time, you're like, okay, you're you're establishing that these dragons are inspirational, but they're inspirational to no one. Like no one like got behind those dragons and were like, yay, and certainly not Arya. Um, and then I realized that they play this inspirational dragon music, like, while Sansa is looking worried as the dragons fly over. And you're like, oh, that music isn't fitting at all. Like, that they actually went somewhere with. Like, you know, Sansa was, was consistently anti-Danny through the entire season. Well, so before we, we continue on to um, episodes one and two, I gotta, I gotta ask you this. So, ever since Throne has ended, I've recently been binge-watching the hell out of this new show at the behest of someone, um... The Handmaid's Tale. Now, The Handmaid's Tale, for those of you who don't know, it's based off a book. It's only one book. However, it's now on season three. And this is so rare. Like, I've almost never seen this before. How many times have you ever seen yeah. the first season or the first movie not be as good as everything that comes after? Because the first season of Handmaid's Tale is okay, but season two and season three so far have been mm. amazing. Mm. It's rare. Um, so, yeah. No. No. It, it, absolutely. Um, there, I mean, and there's a lot of series that are that are that have this happen. Um, the Leftovers. Oh God! Here happen. we go. <laughs> I know because I love The Leftovers so much. But The Leftovers season one is based on a book, and then you know that material is done, and they had to do seasons two and three. I felt that the the later two seasons were just as good as the first season. Um, uh, the uh, what else? Um, uh, True Blood, I think. Yeah, True Blood. Um, okay, yeah. But True Blood, True Blood definitely goes downhill after um, season three, in my opinion. Yeah, 
And then, um, oh, there was another one that's, that, that, that's oh, Big Little Lies. Um, Big Little first Lies. First season. Big Little Lies. I mean, I haven't, I haven't watched the second season yet. It's well, you can't say out. anything about it if you haven't seen the second season. Well, I haven't seen the second season, but it, yeah, but it's, but it's, it's another one where the first, the first season is based on, on the book, and then, and then there isn't a book for the, for the rest. Um, well, there's a few, there's a few. You know, in general, there, there are some properties that were like movie-wise that mm-hmm. are better than the book, but it, it's rare. I mean, they say Fight Club is the movie is better than the book. They say Forrest Gump, the movie is better. Oh, than Oh yeah, the book. of course, Forrest Gump. Like yeah. that's that's all I hear about Forrest Gump. But Handmaid's Tale, yeah. I, yeah. I binged the hell out of seasons one and two. Season, there was only one book for the Handmaid's Tale, the Margaret Atwood book. There's only one book. Um, she's gonna do like multiple books now that this like property is huge now. But yeah. the first season, I would say, eh, it was all right. We get to season two, bro. It's so much better. Like it's it's Whoa. amazing, and it's funny too because. So this is what we kind of wanted them to do with Thrones. So what the Handmaid Tale writers do is they take characters that are established in the first book, and then afterwards they do their own thing with it. They go off and they do their own thing, and it works, believe it or not. It actually works. And once again, The Handmaid's Tale, it's one book. It was never planned as multiple sequels. These characters yeah. were never, you know, their their you know uh, end games were never laid out by the author. But it's funny. Apparently, the author came on board on the writing team, and she was active in, like, where to go in season two and three. And it's good. It's really good. So imagine—is there a tonal shift like there is with Thrones when we when we move beyond the book? Not really. Like all the characters have gradual storylines that evolve beyond the first season slash book, and it makes sense for those characters. I mean, some yeah. people would argue they would never do that. Okay, fine. But at the same time, if you don't like where season two is going, I mean, season one can still be your truth because once again, it's one book versus. You know what they're actually doing with it, which is so good. I recommend it to you of all people, because I know for a fact that you'll fucking love this stuff. Um, yeah. And I look at Thrones; it's like it. Someone fucked up here. It's either George R. R. Martin, who wasn't like you know active active in the in the writing, or it was like you. I asked you a question a couple weeks ago, like whose fault yeah. is this? And you said George R. R. Martin, and I had to disagree with you. No, I mean I think it's I think there's a lot of fault to go around, but I, I do think that George R. R. Martin's uh, played a role in this in the sense that he 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 gave D and D hope that he was gonna you know release a book and give them material, and so they spent a couple seasons waiting around, having characters wait around, and then they kind of had these plot points, and they're like, well, we're we're, we're plot committed, we're pot committed, plot committed at this point. We're gonna have characters wait around for plot points and then hit the plot points, and then everyone's like, "Wait, how right. are they jumping around? How are they jumping around the map and doing this shit without motivation and teleporting?" And it's like, "Well, because you know, D and D were just you know forcing characters into plot points that they heard." So, so I say that it's partially George R. R. Martin's fault. I, I would say that the dialogue is horrible. Yeah, that's just that's horrible, and that's Dave and Dan's fault. I think that like. People jumping to plot points without motivation is partially um, George R. R. Martin's fault for for being a tease, and D and D for for not having the courage to do their own thing. And that's what I was gonna that's what I was gonna basically come to the conclusion of because if you think about it, Dave and Dan should have just honestly done their own thing, and yeah. because they they were forced to to stick to like everyone's end game. 
Bran's Endgame yeah. is supposedly in the books. This is what Isaac Hempstead said. We don't know this for a fact. Hmm. But apparently, Isaac Hempstead, who plays Bran, was told by George that in the end, at the end of the books, Bran becomes king. Now, this might change. This might change. Yeah. Who knows? We don't, we don't, you know. George, you know, changes his mind all the time. But if you think about it, when we, le- when we leave Bran's character in the fifth book, he's still in the cave of Three-Eyed Raven. Now, Dave and Dan have to fill in the fucking blanks in between that spaces to get Bran to be the king. And they have, they're, they're almost constricted in the way of, of having this character do certain things to stay in that realm to still be in Westeros enough to be king at the end. Whereas in The right. Handmaid's Tale, they can do whatever the fuck they want. And not only that, they have the author there writing with them, so that way it still has the flavor of the first book and the authenticity with the author there. Right, you got the buy-in, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I don't know... I don't want to say it's George's fault because what the fuck? Like the first three seasons were amazing, so did they mm-hmm. really need George there if they had like you know some good no, stuff? No, and you know, and and that's what I'm saying is have the courage. Like, look, Avengers: Infinity War. That's based on the Infinity Gauntlet, and there are elements of the Infinity Gauntlet that 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 are very similar to the movie, and there are things that are completely and utterly different. You know, like Thanos doesn't die in the comic book. Um, you know, Tony Stark doesn't die in the comic book. Uh, he, you know, the person that gets the glove after the big fight is Nebula. You know, it's they're, oh. they're, um, yeah, the the she snaps her fingers and brings everybody back um, and puts everything back the way it was. There isn't a, t- a five year gap. I mean, there, there's a lot of enormous differences between the comic book and the movie. But, you know, both both uh, both function and both work. And I mean, Plot holes aside, Endgame was a great movie. You know, like it's it's uh, it, it 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 was good enough that I ignore that. You know, you can kind of forgive the plot holes, um, but it's it's very very different from the source material, and that's fine. You know, people aren't you know people don't need everything to be exactly close. You know? To be fair, in, in the comics, I'm va- I'm vaguely familiar with it. I feel like you're more familiar with it than I am. Isn't Thanos' sole reason for gathering the stones and killing off, like, a good chunk of the population of the galaxy? Doesn't he want to impress Lady Death or something like that? Yeah, he, he wants to, he's in love with Death, and, and he believes, so that they, you know, in the, they have his complete different motivation. Yeah, so in the, in the movie, he, it's an environmental uh, argument mm-hmm. that there's not enough resources, and so he needs half as many living things, um, which doesn't really make sense, but okay. Uh, yeah, because life feeds on life, and if you, if you, resources are life, but nonetheless. Uh, in, the, in the comic book, it's simple, simply he's in love with death, and he believes egregiously, this is actually an incorrect fact, that um, there are more things alive today than have ever died. And that he believes to correct this imbalance, he needs to kill half of the the universe in order to have more things dead than things that are alive. Mm. Um, and so that that's his motivation in the comic book. Very completely, completely and utterly different. Of course, but here, once again, like you gotta watch Handmaid's Tale, man. I'm, I was gonna do a video on it. <laughs> you gotta. You gotta watch Handmaid's Tale. It really is worth it. But no, yeah. like the writers, the writers for Handmaid's Tale did a very good job, and I wish, I wish the writers for Thrones did their own thing going forward. Like fuck, fuck whatever George's plans were. Like there's no way people in that writing room thought that Bran being the king at the end was a good idea. There's no way there was anybody in the, that writing room who thought it's, that. It, 
it's it's an it's an ending that that well first of all it, it's an ending that I've been semi predicting for years, um, and so it, it it's a hundred percent George. Like when when you know the actor says, "Oh, George told me that this is going to be my ending." Yeah, of course, you know, um, and and I don't think it was you know a big surprise to um, to a lot of like huge book fans, but the um, but it's how they got there. You know, like they had this plot point, Bran is king at the end, and you kind of had a few loose things on the reasoning, like, oh, it has to do with stories. And it's like, I could see George pulling it off, maybe. Again, I don't know if George can pull it off because we, we don't have the written book. And, but, um, you know, you, you have to be in George's style and writing style uh, to get there and, and have it work, I think. Mm-hmm. And D&D are not that writing style, you know. <sighs> okay, well, Preston, let's uh, let's let's open up this autopsy and find out what happened. So, Preston, let's start with um, episode one and two. And you recently saw episode one and two. You're very fresh on them. Anything yes, to add yes. that you, oh, we didn't really get to before? Um, well, like let's see. I mean, I I would say that on the, on my on my second. Well, I guess on my. <laughs> fifth sixth watch through but but this is like my my rewatch where it's been a while where where this is the first time i saw it since you know finishing and coming back mm-hmm. um just a lot of of brought up plots that are that are then just dropped um for instance i remember like in the first episode they spend all of this time talking about the Karstarks. like alice Karstark arrives and Tyrion's like oh the Karstarks. they have one of the better sigils and 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 then Alice Karstark just fucking vanishes. Like she just fucking vanishes. If you remember, like we don't see her killed. We just she's just gone. I guess she dies off screen. She mm-hmm. dies off screen, but we never see it. You know, mm-hmm. just stuff like that. Which which is, but it's really conspicuous when they like spend the time to be like, oh, the Karstarks. You know, <laughs> like for for no reason. You know, like times. Times, you know, there's, and I also just, there's so much time killing. I just couldn't believe how much time killing there is. For, it, re- for, it really should have been like one giant episode. Like, remember, someone even like uh, said, said on Twitter, like, remember when before the season eight began, we were all told that this world's going to be one giant movie, and it really yeah. just wasn't. <laughs> no, no, the episodes were, the episodes were, were, were one hour. Plus, you said, you know, you've got the, the, the beginning and the endings with the inside the episode and the theme music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Tyrion moving chairs and awkward pauses. And there's just, I mean, it's odd how it can be simul. It's, it's amazing that they can make it simultaneously rushed and have all of this like time killing in there um, at the same time. Like you think they'd go against each other, but, but I think the formula was just waiting around for plot points to happen but not actually doing anything to progress the story. So when the plot point happens, it's sudden and jarring. And that, that just seems to be what they're doing. You know, they, they just kind of said, oh, let's all just have everybody hang out. And then, and then all of a sudden battle. And then everyone hangs out. And then everybody battles. And then Danny switches sides, you know, or goes, goes nuts. And so it's just, uh, it's just odd. Um, I don't know, what else, what else happened in episode one that, that noticed that was really weird? Oh, Euron. <clears throat> so Euron's motivation, like, completely changes because he's talking to uh, Yara, and she's like, you know, what are you doing? And he's like, the army of the dead's coming. And he's like, whatever. 
I can just fuck off and like sail somewhere else. So he acts like he's completely not invested in the situation Mm -hmm. in Westeros. But then later on, you know, he does seem invested. He wants to fuck the queen. He wants to kill Jamie Lannister. He, you know, he wants to have a kid with her. He, he swims to shore and has a fight to, and, and dies, um, for, for something he's supposedly not invested in, in in the first episode. Just a lot of weird stuff. I don't know. Do you remember anything that, that, that uh, really stuck out for you, like on, on your, uh, your watch through? Pretty much what you said. I feel like the first two episodes really hyped up a lot of stuff, and then the rest of the season just let us all down. It's almost as though like everybody directing each of these episodes to try to get to the end game all had a different idea about how to get there and how to set the tone and what to do with ah. it. And they all just hated each other's ideas, so they just did whatever the fuck it is they wanted. Uh, much like what happened with Arya last season. And even then, coming from season 7 to season 8 was so weird with how the first two episodes proceed. Once again, I do like the first two episodes, but it's just that they set up and hype up so much shit. The major issue is that everything afterwards is a letdown. You know, the first two episodes are supposed to set up the White Walker battle. And then we get to the battle in season three and it's just, it's, it's not as great as we thought it would be. You know, not to mention Melisandre is absent for the first two episodes. They're like, oh, she's gathering her forces in Volantis and uh, nothing. Nothing's going down. Cersei and the Golden Company. Oh, well, the Golden Company, you know, there you go. It's maybe we're going to get, you know, Cersei's finally going to have a, a group of people that aren't just random douchey pirates and an actual fighting force that can pose a threat to the heroes. And no, that turned out to be nothing. And speaking of Cersei, by the way, we read in the leaks that she was supposed to have a miscarriage and... I don't know, like, remember when everybody, because everybody also read the leaks as well, or, you know, watched a video about them. Remember everybody was, like, freaking out about the her taking a sip from the glass of wine or whatever? That scene was really weird, because when I rewatched it, I noticed that she's sipping the wine, and she has really shiny eyes and an awkward smile. It almost looks like she's nearly crying. Like, Lena Headey looks like she's about to weep or, or tear up. Um... When 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 Euron starts talking about you know wanting to put a prince in his in her belly and stuff, which is really weird because it would almost be like oh if they had a previous scene of her having having um, a miscarriage and being told by Kyburn that she's you know going through menopause or something, um, that that look would make sense, but she doesn't you know they they didn't include it she's pregnant. Um, and, and they reinforce in the first episode with Jamie talking to, to, to Tyrion that she's pregnant and that it's not a lie. She's really pregnant. And so that leak, I feel like they just must have changed it and that they, they had some scenes and then they wanted to shift it and they added some other scenes. Didn't you say they also changed something in this episode when Jon's writing the dragon in regards to like, you know, it's like he could read my thoughts or something. I swear that was you who said that. Oh, somebody, yeah, somebody, I, I did read that in the leak, but he doesn't, he, he doesn't end up saying that in any of the, um, any of the, the episodes. So they likely cut it out. Yeah, and he, he, it's funny as well, like, watching that, because John riding the dragon is, of course, a pretty useless thing in the end. Like, it doesn't, that doesn't really lead anywhere, unless you count, like, a few seconds of battling each other in the skies. And did John um, really need to ride the dragon in episode three, considering that was the the last time he would pretty much do that? Do no, he didn't. I mean, they, they could have cut him out of the, the... 
Because I couldn't even, you couldn't even tell what was going on up there anyway. Mm. There's just a bunch of battles. It could have just been Danny up there, and that would have been fine. Um, there was no point in John riding a dragon. And, and so a lot of things like that came out. Like, they, like, Arya brings up the fact that John came back from the dead. And then you say, oh, right, John came back from the dead. Huh, that really went nowhere. Like, it, did, it wasn't relevant at all. Like, no one had extra faith in John for him coming back from the dead. Um, I mean, maybe it influenced Tormund a little bit, but Tormund seemed pretty behind John regardless. Like, I was really expecting there, there to be some sort of religious movement, you know? Like, the wildlings started follow, uh, you know, the wildlings would follow John as, as a savior, as some sort of god, but it, that never went anywhere. It's almost like they had John ride the dragon just to have that one scene in episode four where we get that shot of Danny yeah. looking a little annoyed because Tormund's like, who rides a dragon, a madman or a king? That's actually funny that, that Tormund actually becomes the embodiment of all of the wildlings. Like, we, we hear about the wildlings a little bit here and there, but we don't actually see any wildlings except for Tormund. Like, we know that wildlings are in the battle. And supposedly, when they took Winterfell... The army was mostly wildlings. But, and then the Vale army comes in, and then the Vale army kind of disappears. You see a couple shields here and there, and you see, you see Royce. Like, Royce just becomes the, the embodiment of the Vale army. Oh, Royce is there. I guess, I guess there must be 10,000 Vale soldiers. Oh, Tormund is there. I guess there must be thousands of wildlings. But we don't actually see that many. Um, and and it, it brings me back to other lines, like Tormund saying, oh, they said you're some sort of kind of god, but what kind of god would have a pecker that small? <laughs> like, that's the only line we hear about John being supernatural or being a god to be worshipped, which I really thought they were going to go with, but they never did. They just, just know, like, so when you go back and all of these things are brought up, you're like, huh, yeah, no, that, that, really, that really went nowhere. It really did, if you think about it, because who knows that he was brought back? Beyond Davos and, you know, the usual suspects, all the wildlings know it. Uh, obviously, they've, they've gossiped amongst each other, and a lot, a good chunk of the wildlings have been at Winterfell for quite some time. They've probably spread spread the rumor around. Everybody at Castle Black who wasn't uh, uh, killed for, you know, being traitors, they've, they all know about it. So, yeah, the news has probably spread around the north fairly quickly, and it's not really brought up that much. You're right. Yeah, another thing that's really stuck out, um, I actually I actually started chuckling out loud at this, was Arya's special weapon. <laughs> all the spear, or the yes, the staff spear thing. I just remember all of the videos online that it appeared. Like, what is Arya's special weapon? What does it look like? And and they were just like, huh, this is something special. And then it just turns out to be a double-headed spear, like. <laughs> Why did like why did it need to be like why did she have to have secret designs and everything and like to give it to Gendry like she could have just said hey can you make me a double headed spear oh yeah okay like like did there need to be like schematics for a double headed spear <laughs> like is it I super complicated is it super complicated yeah. And, and now that you mentioned that, and as I was saying with the whole Cersei drinking wine thing, they, they, there seem to be a lot of unnecessary scenes, um, a lot of unnecessary things in general that just lead nowhere. <laughs> one one great example is the Golden Company guys. Like, who gives a fuck about them? Um, they yeah. they turned out to be nothing. I think Henry Strickland, that's his name, right? Henry Strickland, I got that right? Harry. Harry, Harry Strickland. He had less than three minutes of screen time. 
best yeah. at best. There have been oh, there have yeah. been background. Roz the prostitute has more screen time than this fucking guy. Oh sure. And yeah. what else? I was looking it up. I was looking at here. Um, the whole Kyburn scene with Braun that ultimately came out of nowhere and was just put in there just so Braun, I guess, could the audience could be reminded that Braun's still a cool character and he's still there and he can right. be master of coin at the end. Um, yeah. And it also, I guess, gives him an excuse to have some tort- some type of lordship. What else? Yeah, I guess, but yeah, um, the the dragons not eating. The dragons not nowhere. eating, which you know you're very uh, you're very into. Um, the Ironborn plot is is really comically fast. Like um, even on a rewatch, I'm just like, oh my god, like that was it. Like, like Yara doesn't <laughs> like appear again at all. You, would, I, I thought Yara would have at least appeared for a, maybe a brief sea battle, or maybe to bring Danny's army over no, from Winterfell yeah. or you know um, White Harbor to. Dragonstone, and maybe we'll get like a brief scene between Yara and, and, and Yoron fighting, or maybe their fleets fighting, but no, nothing happens. We only see her at the very end. Characters who should have appeared at least in one episode either do and then fuck off for the entire series, or they yeah. never do. Like like um, Mira Reed. Mira is completely forgotten. Gilly gets more scenes than Mira. Oh yeah, Mira. Mira completely forgotten. She had she had her send off, go fuck yourself scene mm-hmm. um, last season. Uh, a lot of weird stuff. The symbols obviously were brought up and made really ominous. I mean, the end, the first episode ends with them saying, "Oh, it's a sign from the Night King." What does it mean? What does it mean? Well, it means nothing. It means like, nothing, right? It means nothing. Mm-hmm. Like he spent the time to hang Ned Umber on the wall with all of those arms for no reason at all. Well, to be fair, let's let's not say it doesn't mean anything yet. The prequel might answer what those symbols mean, but for right now it means nothing. See, this this is like this is like, you know, season 5 apologies, like like hey, hey, season 5, it was building it's building up to something. You're like, oh, and then season six sucks. No, no, it's building up to something. And then season seven, no, it's building up to something. It's not building up to anything. I'm just kind of, <laughs> these symbols, nothing is building up to anything. That's my, that's my belief now. <laughs> um, oh, some other things. that uh, Randall Tarley's death was ultimately uh, not for anything. It didn't matter. It was it was brought up. She she com- she tells she tells Sam ran, uh you know, she killed her uh, she that she blah, I'm sorry. Let me redo that. Yeah. So Randall Tarley, his death meant almost nothing in the end and telling Sam, I guess you had to because you know it's a thing, but at the same time, you expect it to come around full circle in some way. And I guess right. Sam told John out of maybe anger, you could argue right. that. Right. I mean, it's it's a catalyst. But like they were gonna tell him anyway, right? right? Maybe it, maybe it made it happen quicker, but it still happened. And you um, also expect Randall Tarley's death to come in in some regard with Sam towards the end, but not really. Like no, I expected nothing. Sam to be like the new lord of uh, of House Tarley or, or Hornhill, but right. And that's and that's super confusing in the end because we don't know actually what happened. Like what happens to Sam is is a big contradiction. Mm-hmm. Like. On the one hand, he's he's a member of the Night's Watch, so he can't he can't hold lands. But then he's he's at the council representing the great houses, so he he can represent his house. And then at the end, he's a maester, so he's once again not representing his house. So, you know, they, like they couldn't call up the actress that that played his sister, you know, right? <laughs> 
But yeah, that, oh gosh. Um, it's funny though, because actually all of the conflicts that, that are brought up to, to put a wedge between John and Danny, and there are a lot, you have, um, you have Danny killing Randall Tarley. Um, you have Sansa. You have the, in, the, um, the fact that they're related, the incest. You have the, the succession issue. Um, you know, you have the fact that, like, Varys and Tyrion think that Jon has a better um, state of mind than Danny. In the end, none of those things caused Jon to kill Danny. Like, Jon killed Danny because um, she was too sure of herself. And, and he wasn't, you know, like he didn't believe he knew what, what right and wrong was and, and she did. And so he, he felt that that was enough to, to like kill her. But um, it's funny, though, that all of these other issues are brought up like this is going to be the thing to like drive John, you know, and, and it's like every time he's like, she's my queen. She's my queen. Um, I love when you imitate him. <laughs> she's my, it's not she's your decision queen. to make. It's not your decision to <laughs> God, I just wanted Grey Worm to just kill everyone. Uh, that would have been awesome. You and you mentioned uh, Euron. On, to, to put on top of that, like all of a sudden, like he really cares about Cersei. All of a sudden, like he's super all into her and super into the whole thing, despite the fact that his character was mostly about just doing his own thing and and trying to get like trying to fuck the queen for like you know bragging rights and like you really don't get the feel that Euron really gives a fuck too much about that alliance. Like, that was, that was a, on a bunch of people's theory videos, that he was going to betray Cersei in the end. Right. But then he's, like, the most committed no. person to her uh, next to Kyber. Right, and Jamie, I guess. Right. But, like, you know, they're, they're, all, they're all pretty... Everybody's committed to Cersei. I don't know what she does to demand such loyalty, but, um, you know, <laughs> it works out. The, it was a lot of... So they, they really seem to focus on, structurally... Um, reunions they're like oh man this is going to be a reunion and we're gonna we're gonna put jamie and bran in the same situation and we're gonna have and then somehow they think sparks are gonna fly just by putting two characters in the same place but then they don't write them any dialogue and so it's just really weird yeah jamie and bran really went over quick i liked it but it went over a little too quickly sure but it's like you could pick it for anything like like Arya has not seen gendry in years and they finally have their reunion and their reunion is can you make me this spear you're really tell me what the dead are like they're like death they're like death you're really stupid i can throw some blades into the wall okay i'll make you your spear then later let's have sex like like that was their reunion like they didn't i don't know it's just no no conversation nothing to really connect no, no sharing of ideas, you know, like, or the Hound and Arya, you know, like they get back together and then they don't kind of say anything. Like the Hound first calls her a bitch and then they're on the parapet and they just kind of sit there silently. Um, Beric and, and Arya, all of these things. It's like, I'm, I'm actually kind of reminded of um, one of my least favorite trope uh, Saturday Night Live skits. Mm. So Saturday Night Live has this pattern where they'll have a character do a celebrity uh, impression like for for several seasons you know like you'll have Tina Fey doing Sarah Palin for like many seasons right. and then everyone will really love the the impression 
And then they're like, what if we get the real Sarah Palin and we put her on like stage at the same time and then that'll be funny. And then you always, it happens and it's just kind of weird and awkward. Like there's nothing, there's nothing for the two characters to say to each other, like the real Sarah Palin and the fake Sarah Palin. And so they just kind of go, oh, they, like the audience claps and then that's the end of it. They do this all the time. They had Jesse Eisenberg. I was just on thinking that Mark Zuckerberg. With, yeah, with Mark Zuckerberg. I was just thinking that. <laughs> but they do this all the time, like the real celebrity with the, with the invitation. And you're like, okay, and like you need to do something. You can't just have it be a reunion. So like they're sitting in this writers' room saying, okay, it's cringiest it's be thing so, ever. It's going to be so cool when we finally have, you know, Beric Dondarrion and Arya on the parapet again, but or you know. We're finally going to have uh, the Red Woman and Arya together. Though I, I will say that Arya and the Red Woman actually had a few things to talk about compared to many. But, you know, Brienne and Jamie they're going to get together, but then they don't actually say anything. His, their conversation is, you didn't drink. And then they fuck. <laughs> and we, we discussed this last season with Arya mostly. And I think, I forgot if it was you who said it or I who said it, but it... It felt as though several different people were writing each episode the way they thought the episode should have gone. And the reason I point yeah. to Arya is because Arya is one person one episode and a different person the next. You remember that? Yeah, absolutely. And it feels like that here. It feels like the writing guys, the, the people in charge of like writing the scripts and dialogues, they're not in sync with each other. Oh, one thing that really struck me about the first two episodes. Again, this gets back to my whole thing about everyone sucking Tyrion's dick. Like, there's so much praise of Tyrion. Like, is Tyrion going to remain, like, Danny's hand? Like, this is a big issue in the first couple episodes. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my gosh, like, Tyrion is screwed up. And he's screwed up big. Is Danny going to keep him on his hand? And then she's finally like, no, we've got to protect you. We've got to protect you and your mind, your incredible mind. We've got to put you in the crypts. And it's this... And for what? <laughs> like... What Even Jorah vouches for him at one point. Yeah. There's a whole scene of Jorah, like, vouching for Tyrion, saying, oh, but the mind behind, behind that, that, that sassy mouth, <laughs> you know, like, what? Like, it, did, it didn't go anywhere. Like, what was Tyrion's mind saved for? So Tyrion's mind is, is really what the audience likes about the character, but the problem is, is that Tyrion's mind, when we liked it, was written by George for the first four seasons. <laughs> and now, I guess the writers are like, well, the audience loves Tyrion. He's their favorite character. And because he's smart and, and clever and whatnot. So, you know, we should throw in there that Danny really needs to keep him. But they can't write anything clever for him to do. So, what reason does Danny really have to trust him? That's the one thing that really annoyed me. And, I, and you pointed out multiple times. Like, Danny is very smart for not trusting Tyrion. And being very cautious of him. Because he really has cost her a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I read some, like, fan theories that, that, were, that were, like, you know, it would be really cool if, like, the big, like, switch and surprise at the end is that Tyrion was working for Cersei and that Bran would, just, would uncover it and he'd pull out the, the I never bet against my family line and as, like, proof of it and Tyrion would be caught. And I'd be like, well, that would be unexpected, you know, but it would make sense. Um, but of course that didn't happen. You know, I, I mean, Tyrion does bet against we, his family. We can't have Tyrion siding with Cersei. She hates the shit out of him. So 
but but the whole betting against my family thing and and maybe like some something deep inside him would never allow him to side against his family. I mean, that makes more sense. Yeah. There's there's uh, so going into into uh, episode 2, which is even so episode 1 is I would say a lot of random little plots that get introduced as possible problems that go nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, there's, a, there's quite a few pointless reunions, but then episode two is more reunions, but this time the reunions, you know, they spend a little more time dwelling with each other. Right. And episode two, I got to say, is my favorite episode of this entire season, I, especially the ending. I've said this multiple times. I love this episode. I think it's great. What they really should have done was cut the fat from episode one and just put episode one and two together. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think that they, they could have fit everything from one and two in, in the same. I mean, two, you did not need an entire episode of everyone hanging out and waiting for... I mean, for the, uh... I, I would argue you kind of did, because, once again, we can't just open up the season with one major battle. We've never done that with Game of Thrones. And we, we kind of need to get the characters to know each other, to hang out a bit more, to actually form a connection but it's like you said, every time there's a chance for them to form that connection, the writers just drop the ball, like with Arya and the yeah. Hound, or Arya and Gendry, and, you know, like, Jamie and Brienne, which I kind of like their their relationship a little awkward and a little, like, you know, will she, will he, Ross and Rachel yeah. type of thing, but, you know, even then, it's like, come on. Oh, th- there's a few, so many other things that I noticed. Okay, so Jamie's trial, where Brienne comes out and vouches for him. It occurred to me that Brienne already revealed to Sansa Jamie's good character in season seven. Mm. Um, when Sansa sends Brienne down to King's Landing, uh, Brienne says, "You know, King's Landing is dangerous. You're sending me down there." And and Sansa says, "You said that Sir Jamie was 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 kind and, and noble to you. Like he'll protect you." And I was like, "Oh, she already revealed that." Then what? Then what was it? What was she revealing to Sansa during the trial? Like, she already knew all this. I guess she was you know? revealing it again for the sake of like Danny, who wasn't there to hear that, or maybe John. I guess, but then why would why would you know Sansa bring up like the streets of King's Landing and Ned and and, and Jamie in front of the whorehouse? Like, um, it it doesn't. It they just forgot that scene. I guess um, it's be- to defend it a little. I guess it's because. Um, you, you still gotta show Sansa as being like you know strong, independent ruler who has to uh, who has to take charge in in a way and and you know get on Jamie's case about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, that can't go unanswered. They they essentially Jamie essentially got out of his his trial through a lot of changes of subject. Like you've done something really bad that you should be executed for. Now let's talk about the fact that Cersei didn't bring her army north. Well, wait a minute. What about like? The fact that he killed your dad, like, that was never resolved. They just changed the subject. And then the subject was about, you know, Brienne vouching for him, which, you know, is meaningless when it comes to killing Ares or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so many weird things. Oh, gosh. Um, they spent a lot of time with Tyrion waxing poetically about, like, everybody fighting for the Starks, and he wants to see his father's face of them, like defending Winterfell and um, ask, you know, asking everybody about the, the battles they've survived and stuff like that. It's, uh, yeah, it's just off. 
because one, like, I never thought of Tyrion hating this. I mean, I never thought of Tywin like being this huge Stark hater. Mm-hmm. You know, like he kills the Starks out of necessity. Right. But but would he really be like, oh God, my son's defending Winterfell? Like, would that really be something he'd like? You know, be disgusted at. You know, he'd be a little disappointed and annoyed, but. Once again, out of necessity, he he'd probably get on right. board. There, there's an army of the dead coming. Like, yeah, you know, he's come. <laughs> would Tywin not be for fighting the army of the dead? I, I mean, know. Tywin would be for fighting the army of the dead, but Tywin would jump at the chance to send Tyrion there, but keep Jaime back. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, or he style. might pull. He, he might pull a Cersei and be like, "Well, I'll wait for the army of the dead to kill to kill my fo- my foes first or something." Mm-hmm. But. I don't know. I don't know if he'd be like disappointed. I, it's this weird rewriting of history. Like everybody, everybody here fought the Starks at one point. No, like Jamie did. Like that well, Jamie did. Tyrion got knocked out, so he was gonna fight the Starks. Davos was on Stannis's group, and in a sense, because Davos aligned himself with Stannis, Stannis burned the leeches, which killed Rob, you could argue. So I guess Davos, <laughs> by, by association... But Davos was trying to stop him. He was trying to stop That's the true, leeches. but by association, uh, Brienne killed those Stark soldiers in season two? Brienne, Brienne killed those Stark soldiers at the beginning of season two, or maybe it's the end of season one, I forget. The, uh, the, be- the, the end of season two. And, and then Tormund did fight uh, Jon Snow at one point. The, the, the one, the, I mean, the the Stark soldier, the, the one that she sword rapes him. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a very clear, like, like rape scene. Yeah. So, I mean, in I a guess. way, they all did kind of fight the Stark. In but a way. Tyrion, Tyrion wouldn't have known about the sword raping. He wouldn't have known. <laughs> well, she was also on Renly's side, and I guess Renly was also in opposition with Rob, I guess, for not, a little bit. Not really. They had a truce. Did that truce even go down? Like, was it official before Renly was killed? In the well, yeah, in the show, it, it, it like Catelyn agrees to a truce between he and Renly. Yeah, Renly says, "Yeah, you can call yourself King of the North, and we'll, you know, but eventually you've got to be part of the Seven Kingdoms." And Catelyn, Catelyn's pretty much like, "Okay, cool, that sounds like a deal," and then you know, Renly gets killed. It's not the book deal. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, Episode two, like I said, I liked it. I really did. It really did. But it, it did feel, feel like DLC to uh, episode one, mm-hmm. like downloadable content. It really should have been one giant episode. They loved to, they loved to tout that it was, the entire season was going to be like one giant series yeah. of movies. But... Oh my God, the fact that episode two, like it's funny that you're like, oh, episode two is my favorite. But at the same time, it does feel like, an extra scene like doesn't doesn't every scene feel like a deleted scene yeah yeah it really does i don't know like like this isn't essential to the plot it's kind of mildly interesting so we'll put it on the dvd's extra <laughs> you know what, you know what i should do i should just download episodes one and two and which i already haven't downloaded actually <clears throat> and uh, i should just remove the fat from episode one and just combine it with two because there are a lot of scenes that are really not necessary. I will say it's all fat. Like like it's all fat. mm, I I will say the one thing that is kind of necessary and I, and I liked it. They did put it in there is a little date with John and Danny. John didn't need to ride the dragon, but the fact that he did, I mean, you know, I wanted that romance there and and they put it in there. I mean, there, there, there's a few things that are needed. They, they need to walk in. Bran needs to say, she, you know, the wall is fallen and, and she has your, you know, the Night King has your dragon. And then they kind of need 
a little bit of a war room thing mm-hmm. to explain like what they're going to do strategy wise. And then pretty much that's it. Like there's a lot of talk about how the North doesn't trust outsiders, plot that goes nowhere. Right. There's a lot of stuff about Sansa and her fears about, you know, Danny. That plot goes nowhere. Um, just a lot of Tyrion is the smartest guy. I wouldn't say the Sansa Danny thing didn't go nowhere because she's a she's a major major reason why Tyrion knows the truth about John. Yeah, um, that's. I true, would say but... the one thing the things you need to cut would be like um, uh, Euron and Yara's conversation that kind of went nowhere. Euron and Cersei's <laughs> scene where she drinks the wine. That goes nowhere. I, I guess he need to include. But he does. He does need to like sleep with her, right? So that he thinks the baby's his. I guess. But even then, that doesn't go anywhere either. I mean, one could, one could argue that that his change. Well, it doesn't make too much sense because, one could argue that he needs to fight Jamie because now, he thinks the baby's his, and so now he's like invested in Cersei. Like, he's willing to, you know, but at the same time, he, he reveals that, no, he just wanted to be killed by Jamie Lannister and be famous. Um, you know, like, you could have had a big switch. Like, oh, my God. Like, there could have been, like, a revolutionary change for Euron. Like, like oh, my God, I didn't care about anything, but now I've got a son on the way. Like, there could have been that big change. Could have been, but, but at the end of the day, they just destroyed the character. And I love how... um. I'm going to ruin the motherfucker's name. Pilo Ab- Asbeck. I like how he was like defending his character. Pil- pillow Pillow Asbeck. Something like that. <laughs> Pil- pillow Asbeck. I have no He's idea. defending like, you know, what they do with the character. Dude, how can you? Come on, man. You're an actor. Stop it. But it, see, what I'm thinking is I want to I want to make this edit. I want to send it to you. I want, I want you to tell me what you think. What I'm thinking is mm. you could cut out all the scenes with the Golden Company. In fact, Cersei does not need to appear until episode 4. Be- the reason yeah. I say this is because the only scene you really need from King's Landing, even even the whole, I guess you can include Bronn in there because the ending doesn't make sense without Bronn, I guess. The one thing that you could include there from the King's Landing stuff besides Bronn is Theon rescuing Yara. And, but like, that's it. That's all you need from that, that scene. Mm-hmm. You don't really need, like, you know, everybody going, whoa, a drat. Well, actually, you kind of do because it's been, like, hundreds of years since dragons have appeared in the north. But there are a lot of stuff. Gilly scenes definitely need to go. That's number one. Um, what else? <laughs> I I would just put more Gilly ah, scenes. You in. do it. Deep. More Gilly. Why scenes. do you hate me? Uh, the fucking Davos. The most the most important scene. My my my. It would just be my important most important scene. It would begin with that little girl with the scar oh, on her Lord. face that looks <laughs> and then, and she would go up to Davos and she would ask like where she should go. And then Gilly would convince her to go down to the crypts, and then we'd follow her and her story and how she failed to protect anyone in the crypts. <laughs> and then they all die at the end. Well, no, like, like that, the scene where Davos is giving them all dro- food. She dropped the ball. That little girl dropped the ball. <sighs> you cruel present. But, like, no, scenes you could cut, like, you know, Davos giving them all food. Like, just stuff like that. Like, you know, like, you, you don't need to have that there. You Like, the latter, the, the second... You kind yeah you kind of need you, you need you need the the scene between Grey Worm and Missandei. That's yeah that like, you need. Talk talking about Noth. You don't need the racist girls. <laughs> you remember the racist yeah. girls? <laughs> no reason. <laughs> the North is very mistrusting of outsiders, Preston. Come on, that doesn't mean they're racist. Come on. That's that's I don't know. <laughs> they're mistrustful of outsiders unless they're wildlings or Vale lords trying to save them. 
<laughs> you may have something God. here. Oh, man. What a time. What a time. That wasn't your favorite scene, Davos and Gilly? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I'm, 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 scrolling, I'm scrolling through here, uh, the episode real quick, of like, what... What other crap you could really before, remove? Before we move on to episode three and four. Yeah, but what other crap could you really remove here? Like, um, I mean, you need to have a reunion between Arya and Gendry, but I, I don't know. Like, they didn't have anything for them to actually say, mm-hmm. so they, they filled it in with weapon talk. Which is, once again, they have a lot to say to each other. A lot to say. But at the same time, I guess, I guess you could make the argument that they're awkward teenagers, or at least... Arya is. I think Gendry's like a young adult. Uh, they're awkward. They're awkward in general, and you know, like, what are they really going to talk about? So whatever. Is he? Is he? Is he like a teenager in the same way that like you know the the, the teenagers from Greece are uh, teenagers? <laughs> I mean, like, what are you? God, they, the writers really did drop the ball. I'm really gonna go back and like make a one giant edit for episode one and two. Yeah, he's 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 32 years old, by the way. Which, uh, the actor, what's his name? Um, Joe Dempsey. Joe Dempsey. He's 32. It's he doesn't 32. look a day over 21. Wow, Jesus Christ. Um, and well, depending, I think today today is his birthday. Oh, is it? Today's his birthday? Oh yeah. shit! Happy birthday, Joe Dempsey. No, 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 no. I, I'm sorry. I completely... Preston, uh, Jesus Christ, man. We can't give out misinformation. I, I, time goes by faster than I thought. No, it, it happened days ago. Never mind. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, God. But no, I'm going to go back <clears throat> with episodes one and two, and I'm going to try and remove some of the fat that doesn't need to be there. Because there is, is quite a bit. And I think I can make a coherent episode one and two into one giant episode. What do you think? Oh sure, I think no, I think you can do it. It would be like ten minutes. <laughs> I do, I do. I think that all of seasons, all of season eight, could be like a thirty-minute project. You know, you're out of your mind. I mean, come on, come on. You're out of your mind, but you're not wrong. You're out of your mind, but you're not wrong. <laughs> oh man. So, how do you feel about the uh, uh, before we before we wrap up on seasons uh, episodes one and two? How do you feel about the ending? Which, once again, my favorite part of the entire season, actually. I really love when Podrick breaks into song. Oh, um... It's a good montage. Probably one of the he, better montages we've ever had in the show. He's Look, it's, it's a fine montage. He's got a great voice. Uh, I thought the lyrics were really... I thought the music was fine. Uh, the lyrics were weak. Mm. Um, but the... Uh, but... You know, it was it was fine. It's a little artificial in, in the sense that he's like, somebody sing me a song, and then he names every single person except for Gen- except for Podrick, and then Podrick happens to have this like incredible voice. Like, you know, people just aren't born with voices. You have to practice. Like, Podrick is clearly a practiced singer. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, all that time as a squire, he never heard Podrick sing. It's one of those hidden talents that he has, and. Uh... I also, I, I gotta say, once again, episode two, my favorite. I love when Jamie knights Brienne. That was that was epic. I, I really did like that. And, and you like how he how he stops in the middle and and forgets to finish. I'm willing to forgo that detail because the moment was very very touching. <laughs> because there's only there's only three gods. Like <laughs> <laughs> a half night. The moment was very touching, and it's just the whole the whole feeling of like dread and all that stuff and. You know, John and Danny, 
they start to go into that conversation and all of a sudden they're interrupted, you know. It, it's just, it, they, episode two is really definitely the best episode this entire season, hands down. It really is. They, they, they really have, like, everything there to make it a good, like, this is the episode where I thought, huh, season eight can only go up from here because that was great. And you, and you really get sad because you're like, oh, everybody's going to probably die next episode. And then we get to the next episode, and it's like, only some people die. They, they just <laughs> shaved off a couple background extras and uh, some secondary characters. Not all, but only yeah. some people die. It wasn't that much of a gut I mean, punch I wasn't, that we thought it would be. I wasn't, I wasn't hooked as much as, as you were on, on episode two. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it, only because, I mean, I'm not so much into nostalgia. Like, I don't think... Um, I, I'm very cynical about nostalgia because mm. I kind of recognize that, that, you know, the great past never existed. And so when people say, oh, let's go back to the great past, the good old days, I'm like, that never fucking happened. You know, people are like, oh, when I was a child, like, I was so caref- carefree. No, you weren't. You don't remember your childhood. But childhood is filled with anxiety, too. You know, and so it's... Damn, dude, you're very fucking depressing. What the fuck happened? <laughs> it was, no, it was no, your no, birthday no, but, a couple but, of days ago. Happy late birthday, by the way. Woo. But what the fuck, man? Um, no, no, but but it, it's it's this thing. I, I I think nostalgia. I mean, generally, I think that nostalgia is a dangerous thing. Um, looking back, like creating this past that we have to like revert back to that never existed, and and episode two did a lot of that. Mm. This you know making Game of Thrones into this, you know, oh the glory days. We're all good friends. This is this is our this is our curtain call because episode two did seem like a curtain call. Um, episode for the for the characters uh even though they didn't die <laughs> you know had they had they died it would have been a more fitting curtain call but instead they kind of lingered for four more episodes but it it seemed like we're like that was the episode where they're like let's say goodbye to game of thrones um but none of that there were no good times in game of thrones like all seasons were violent and filled with blood well and I think what they were trying to harken back to is, like, how things were more simple. You know, back then, Tyrion was on the side of the Lannisters. Jaime was on the side of the Lannisters. Davos was on Stannis' side. And now it's all complicated and jumbled. No, it was it was complicated back then. It was more complicated. You think then. it was more complicated? I think it was... It, it, Absolutely, because it was George R. R. Martin writing it. Well, well, it was beyond <laughs> that. Like, where every character stood, it was it was a bit more simple than it is now. Back then, everybody had this ignorant bliss where nobody knew that the dead existed and there were no flying dragons around to burn everybody to death. I don't know. I mean, like, like it went from it went from having certain motivations to having no motivations. Mm. Like the characters in the end, like, are all like irrational, floating beings that just have to go from one location to another location and then have whatever emotion they decide to assign to them that episode. Like in that sense, it's more simple. Like. It's chaotic, but chaos can be more simple than, than you know, structure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's just, it, I don't know. It was, the, it was this, like, saying, saying, you know, this sad goodbye to this, like, you know, oh, what a, we're all sitting here and, like, about to die, but, you know, life is such a grand, beautiful thing. And it's like, no, like, every episode of Game of Thrones taught us how, how ugly and painful life is. Um, <laughs> it, it, there's nothing like wonderful. There's no going back to this wonderful. You're time. very depressing tonight. <laughs> no, no. 
No, I mean, see, I, this is this is I'm more of a this is why like I was a Star Trek fan. It's like the future is like the good times. Like that's when things will be better. The past kind of sucked. People got sick a lot. There was racism and segregation and and <laughs> slavery and it was it, it sucked, mm -hmm. you know. And so uh, you know. We, we didn't have money, like we didn't have resources. Avocados were super expensive. It was Avocados, not a great time. that's so random, but okay, go ahead. <laughs> but you know, shrimp was outrageous, you know? And so it's the same with Game of Thrones. Like they sat around being nostalgic for nothing. You know it's funny. Episode two felt a lot like it should have been episode eight of season seven. And then, you know, we get to the dreaded episode, which is the Battle of Winterfell. And then we close out season seven with episode, uh, uh, what we got in episode four, where um, you just end season seven with Danny, say, Danny saying, let's fight the last war together. And that's how you would end it. And yeah. I don't know. You're right about that. It does, it does feel like the end, not the end of the series, but the end of a season when they're all sitting around like that. And when we get to episode three, which we will yeah. in like in a, in a minute, but... It'll seem like a minute for the audience, but we're really about to uh, sign off and re-record re uh, record again tomorrow for episode three. Um, yeah, episode three felt like the end of something. And it just, I don't know, it didn't hit all the beats. You, and You know what they could have done, actually? that, And I'm not saying this wouldn't have caused some people to be angry. But had they done like an episode two situation, but made that episode six, and then ended the series on a cliffhanger... Um, it would have been, people would have had a better feeling than what they A cliffhanger? Got. What do you mean? Like, I'm saying, like, the last episode is everyone preparing for this final battle between Cersei and, and Danny, And everybody kind of, like, you know, battle's going to happen at dawn. And so you go around the camp, and everyone's, like, having one last drink. Mm -hmm. And then you go into King's, then you go into the castle, and everyone's having, you know, their, their last thing. And then the episode like ends with the sunrise and the battle about to begin. And then you ended the series that way. A lot of people would have been angry, but it would have worked better, like mm. because you you would have you would have had this you would have had the the the, the tear jerking curtain call of of episode two actually at the end of the series. That's controversial as fuck. I'm actually curious to see what the audience thinks about that. I might put up a poll or something. Well, it's it's how they end, it's how they ended Angel. Which, which is, um, and it was, Angel was a very controversial ending, but, it, you know, it kind of fit because it's like, well, that's how, like, Angel keeps fighting, and that's how things are going to go. The statement at the end would have been, these wars are just going to keep going, or all the characters are going to die, so we don't need to see it play out because they're going to die. Or maybe some are going to survive, but they're going to die in some other future battle. Um, it would have been very controversial, but I think it would have worked better than what we got that would have well if if you're saying if you're saying what i if you're saying that then that this scene where they're all sitting around being nostalgic and it's, it's very somber that would have been a very depressing but i guess hopeful ending i don't know i don't know how people would feel about that i think the only time i've ever seen it end like that wh where you're talking about is in 300 you've seen 300 right yeah. yeah, where they end the entire movie with like them going off into battle again against the Persians, mm -hmm. but this time as yeah. a unified front. Um, yeah, and George R. R. Martin did end a story dying of the light on a on a cliffhanger. I mean, ima imagine imagine if, you know, but imagine like you know if 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 the army of the dead is is supposed to be a metaphor for death, like 
we keep fighting against death, but eventually death is going to get us. So like, imagine if the last episode is, okay, they lose Winterfell, they retreat, they fight again, and then they retreat, and then Cersei takes them in, in King's Landing, and they're all in King's Landing, awaiting the army of the dead. And they have one last evening, all of these people that hate each other or, or love each other, and they do the same curtain call nostalgic thing. And then the last scene is like the army of the dead arriving at King's Landing. And then it's the end of the episode and the end of the series. Yeah, like some people would be upset, but at the same time, like I think it would have worked better. <laughs> it it, it would have worked better now that we know the last episode of this fucking season was trash. Well, I mean, anything, anything would have worked anything better. Anything would have right? worked better, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of want to throw that to the audience, like what they fuck. I really want to plug a poll up on Twitter or something. If if Thrones season eight really should have ended, the entire series should have ended on a cliffhanger in a final battle, final push against the White Walkers. Hmm. Well, hmm. speaking of the White Walkers, Preston, let's get into episode three. 